0: Hello, this is Connie Solera and you are listening to the Get Messy Podcast. got to get messy and show the world you grow in as an artist and you're free to be yourself. you got a dream you need to start and stick together. Get messy says you're formally invited to a community where you can find people that spark the feel of excitement. Too many art supplies, not enough time. Know it's tougher, so you must find a way to feel some connection. You got a lot of people with the same kind, a great mind. We're here for you, a platform so we can hear your views. Time's yours, forget chores. I know you border them same rules.
1: today's episode is a good one you're gonna love it i know you're gonna love it because it's got connie solera in it and connie has a heart of gold she's a great teacher she's an incredible artist and i don't know i feel like she was put on this earth just to make everyone else better artists. she's a wonderful Connie Solera's passion thrives inside the art-soul connection. Devoted to a daily creative practice of drawing, painting and printmaking, Connie's art embraces the unseen, scratches at life's mysteries and explores the deeper, darker spaces of her being. As a teacher with 25 years of experience under her apron, Connie loves to guide her students to do the same. Connie is also the guest artist for the Season at MSE, and if you're a Messian and you've watched her workshop, you'll know what I'm talking about. She's amazing. She'll make you amazing. Just listen to this chat that I have with her and I dare you to not run to your art channel.
0: Hey, Connie,
1: welcome to the podcast. Yay, I'm happy you're here. <laughs> Yay, I'm really happy that you're here. Um... Big-time fan of yours, big-time fan of what you create, how you create, and how you get other people to create.
0: Oh, thank you. Me too. I feel the same way about you, hot stuff. It's good. Yay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Can you tell me, in as brief as possible, your <laughs> creative story?
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess... I- I could sum it up in that I've always, always, I've been, I feel I'm lucky because I've always known that I wanted to do art, that I want to be an artist ever since I was a kid. And, um, I was lucky to be supported in that, you know, like my parents, they didn't quite understand it. They did their best, you know, but they always, I had little, like, I went to take extracurricular classes and then, you know, stuff like that. And then, um. I went to a high school where I got to major in art and then I went to art school and I did all, you know, I, I, I went all through thinking like, I, I like to look at it. As, like, I think I did everything a good little artist should do. is what I thought. But when I got into like art school, I started to have like a schism. That's how I look at it. Like I started to think I am an artist. I want to do art. I don't know if this is really the world I want to be in though. Like, because um, I really loved learning about art, but then like the whole gallery thing and stuff, and I was doing that, and it just felt like bleh, right so right in my twenties, I had a an apartment it was like a two bedroom apartment in this part of town that was where lots of artists lived. It was really, really cheap, and one room was my studio and then I had this huge kitchen and the kitchen was my favorite in the kitchen, I had these tables and I would art journal before I was actually. Knowing it, I was art journaling, like yeah. just lost pain and altered books, you know. And then in the ga- in the studio is where I had my more serious art. <laughs> when I was like making it for the galleries, and I remember like gallery um, people would come, and they would go through the kitchen and they'd be like, "What are you working on over there?" And they would kind of be like, you know. And then they'd go in there and they'd be like, "Oh," and give them some kind of heady, you know, "This is what this is about" and all this crap just to get my stuff in the galleries just to to do what I thought I was supposed to do and that was draining and I loved to do what I had in the kitchen like I would spend all night and then I'd have to like go do that stuff because that's what I felt I was supposed to do and then um when I turned 30 um my husband and I moved across the country to Arizona and we felt like we had this new opportunity to kind of reinvent myself and I was teaching here and I went back into ceramics. So when I went to school, I was a painting major and ceramics, um, like I wouldn't say minor, but I did a lot of clay stuff. And uh, so I went back into ceramics and started doing that. And, um, And then I started getting a little bit overwhelmed and bored. So I went back to painting and when I went back to painting again, I was like, you know, I'm not gonna go down that road where I'm like trying to please a market anymore. I'm just gonna do an experiment. I'm just gonna put all my heart into what I loved to do when I was in the kitchen, painting books and paint stuff for my own, just for my own pleasure, my own spiritual yumminess in a way. I, at that time, because I left my ceramic studio, I needed some type of community, and I was an art teacher in a uh, elementary middle school, which is like, you're the only art teacher, and it was lonely, (laughs) so I started a blog called Dirty Footprint Studio to just talk about my painting and talk about teaching, and I just wanted to find kindreds, and this was in 2008, yeah. I had no idea where it was going to take me. And here's the crazy thing is like, here it was like pouring my heart into what I love. And it was like people really resonated with it and it was just fun and it was exciting. And it didn't feel like the 10 years, the decade before that of like banging my head against the wall, making art just to like get it in the galleries and do all that stuff. And so I was like, hell yeah. And, um, so I've been, since 2008, just kind of doing what I've been doing. Um, just kind of following the thread of what makes me uh, excited and, and what I get interested in and, um, and in sharing it. And I really realized that as part of like who I am as a creative is, is meant for that, like just create work and then help others, you know, share what I kind of know about the creative process with others and and, uh, you know, those two kind of feed together. So I think that, maybe that, I think that sums it up the best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a really good story. It's a beautiful story. And um, you're a, you're the guest artist for this season at MSC. And I don't know, you've got, there's been over 100 artists teaching at MSE, And there's something so unique about the way you do it. And when I was watching the videos, you know, just to check for... Any like whoopsies, you know, like admin watching them I had to stop Like I had to get away from the computer And I had to go create Like it was amazing I think that your energy and your heart I don't know, it comes through so beautifully And you've just got a very good way Of helping others reach their heart and their art
0: Oh, well thank you That means so much to me yeah, to me, this is just, this is just what I do. This is what I love. And so it it makes me happy to help others do it and not see that it has to be so draining, you know, like I went down that road. Like I, I I think, um, sometimes we, we think, you know, artists have it all together, whatever, but I, I still have my own struggles, but it's like that, that struggle, even being in art school was like "Oh, oh, suffocating to me that I had to realize, like, you don't really need to do that. You know, like you can, there's always there's always a place for us as artists as long as you're willing to just kind of be you I guess so when I teach I just basically I'm always surprised that people want to join me because I just show up and just start talking (laughs) people go to my retreats and I just spend I sit there talking talking I'm like you really paid all this money for me just babble the work you know
1: (laughs) yeah definitely man I love this okay so I've got lots that I want to dig into deeper firstly let's talk about I think what is your thread for your artistic story and your teaching and everything in general is just following that thread of excitement and following your heart and what like makes you happy tell me how you do that without getting distracted and then following the next thing or do you do that oh i get distracted (laughs) a lot.
0: so um this is so so let me we're also on video so i guess it helps so like i work on multiple things i have multiple threads weaving together is the best way to put it it's not like one seamless thread um and so like for instance i've been working on pastels but i feel here's the thing kaylee i feel i'm having the same big conversation with all the work that I'm doing. what is shifts a little bit is my materials and the way I work with the materials. But I'm basically, I'm always having the same conversation and the conversation is with myself. It's always like what's going on inside, what what's going on outside of me as well, but by me processing it. So I get excited by materials, even though I'm not one of those artists that collects a lot of materials. So for example, uh, in January, I was in uh, Oaxaca, Mexico, which is like my love of places. And I was there to teach and I was actually teaching. Um, I have a private student and she was there and we both love this artist named Guillermo Ogin. His work is so amazing. And so we went, to I took her to this gallery where his work is represented and I'll never forget like I get goosebumps thinking of it so we went there and that art handler puts on the gloves and takes us in the room and opens out the drawer you know pulls out these drawings and shows to us and there was this one drawing that had this tiny little bit of like red oxide on it and I saw it and it was like my whole body went (gasps) And I I was like, the whole time I'm like this. I'm like, come on, stop showing the paint. I just want to go into my room and I want to go work with red ox my hands. I was like doing this. I was like trying to be all, you know, art gallery itchy. And then I was like, why won't he look away? Because I wanted to touch it so bad. And so like I have like visceral feelings about materials. And at the same time when I was in Oaxaca, it's so funny, I have it right here. I was in Oaxaca with my student. We went into a used bookstore and i'm not a ledger kind of gal and this is like a big ledger. i'm not a ledger gal at all. and i saw this ledger and i was like oh my god I must have the ledger. and every like i touched it and i just started rubbing it and i could feel like oh i have to draw in this and literally i was like you know that night going into it. and so for me it becomes this visceral feeling of like I need to put my hands. I need to work like this. But so I do kind of shift a lot. I feel like I'll work in ink. I'll work in charcoal. I'll work in paint. I'll work in a book. I'll work on paper. I've been doing lots of printmaking. But it's all the same shit, right? It's all the same um, conversation kind of happening in all of them, even though kind of the nuances of the style change a little bit in that. And my old art school training will always be like, there's always this professor in the back of me, like, there should be more consistency and all this crap. And I'm always, always giving him the middle finger and just going forward, trying, um, to just follow that thread, you know, follow what makes me get excited about the materials or working with it. So, yeah, Yeah. that's kind of, how it goes
1: <laughs> tell me more like practically with your projects if something's no longer speaking
0: to you do you let it go oh yeah I totally let it go I like I so I got on t- so on this side of the wall you can see there's a few I probably did about 12 or 15 and then I well then I got sick and all the coronavirus stuff hit and then it was like a new world right <laughs> so <then> I was <laughs> like I don't know if I really want to touch this. Like I was getting really dark and moody in that. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go dark and moody right now. (laughs) So I I actually went into doing um, these little chalk type pastels that are kind of just whimsical and sweet. And so like that felt more in alignment where I am now. And so all the time I'll, I'll be doing things and then I just kind of stop. And for me, a lot of times it's getting it out of my system that I need to do more than, um, than, you know, cre- creating something whole, because I'm all about the big body of work. I'm just going to keep making the work. And then I kind of figure out the threads later, how they all weave together. And it doesn't matter. Cause I don't, I'm not going to try to put it in a gallery or have a show I don't have to go and try to prove myself to someone and why it all works together. I just I'm lucky to be in a position where I can just keep doing it and um it seems to be what what's part of my uh charm as an artist, yeah. you know.
1: So I think it's very freeing to think of things that
0: way. Yeah, and you know, I and the funny thing is like, I can kind of step Like, So I have this, this, um, this is what I showed in affirmations, I believe. Yeah. This is what I painted in in affirmations. Um, this, this book, and I started this in 2015, right? Since so five years, I'm still cooking in it and you can see how my, my um, style shifts. So I also want to say, I don't abandon things. I might step away from it, but I don't abandon things, if that makes sense. Like my ledger, I, I was all gung-ho, then I stepped away, and now I'm back to it again, right? And so I don't abandon things completely. Sometimes they just kind of fade into the background and then come back and forth. And so generally I have like a handful of materials that I, that I really resonate with that work for me, um, and I kind of dance between them, you know? Yeah, Yeah. That's a great question.
1: Thank you. So how do you find which supplies to use? I don't know. I think it can be difficult to get a grip on all of your supplies, but I feel like everything that you create looks like you. So how do you make sure... Do you do it consciously? How do you make sure that it looks like you?
0: Are you asking me or like in general? I'm asking you. Okay. Yeah, you. Okay. Um, so... I am really um, intentional about my supplies. So I like, I like certain kind of paint. And I have lots of different kind of paint, but I, I kind of um, lean towards paint these paints called Polytex that I buy in Mexico. So I really like the texture of them and stuff. So I don't, I'm not the type, I don't keep up on what the newest uh, materials are. I don't kind of, I've, I've always kind of stayed minimalist. I always use oil pastels. I always use graphite, I always use charcoal. So they're all kind of like traditional materials that I was trained in, in both my training in high school and, and college, you know. Um, I just use them my way. Even printmaking is super traditional, right? So I don't I don't really ever move venture outside of that. I don't try new stuff. And it's amazing. Like my students will come to me and they have all this cool stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. But I have no desire to really play too much with it. I'm just kind of, uh, I like what I like. And a lot of what I like has to have some visceral, I notice, aspect. Like I like water-soluble graphite. I like charcoal. I like... Um, You know, the paint that I choose is very gritty and I like how it feels in my hands. Mm. Um, I like to carve, um, you know, print me because I like to work with my hands. Um, I miss, I can't wait till all this Corona stuff. So I really want to go back into clay and I need a space to go, you know, like I just, I love visceral hand touchy things. Um, So I think that's what helps me resonate with stuff. Last year, I was really, I really love this one artist. She goes by Swoon and she took a little sabbatical from her work. She's a printmaker and she does drawings and she took a little sabbatical to teach herself digital art, which seemed like, how do you go from there to there? And then she started creating this awesome stuff with it. And I was so inspired by watching her transition and what she was doing with it, that I started to get the itch for, for digital. I like got my first iPad and did all of these digits. So that's part of my language now too. Um, I kind of circle back to that a lot too. And it's, that's been really interesting because it's not something so visceral you can feel, you know, yeah. but I really enjoy the immediacy and how you can move things around and erase and bring it back. <laughs> like that's such a nice quality, you know? So, um, so I feel like that the digital stuff is the first thing I ever really ventured away. And it took a long time for me to do. Like, I, I kept kind of hearing it like, oh, that might be cool and I see cool stuff. But it wasn't until I saw this artist that works so traditionally use it in ways that spoke to me that I was like, huh. So, so for me, that's, that's kind of how I, I, uh, I roll, you know.
1: Yeah, you're um, you speaking about having supplies that resonate with you and um, that you use in your own way. What would be your tip for someone who's trying to keep their supplies to a minimum? How would they use it in their own way?
0: Well, I think there's a real beauty in limiting your supplies. And so I think one of the overwhelms that happens is when, well, I, I think – Here, I wanna rewind a little bit. I think it's really natural, especially as women, that we're gatherers and we love to gather things, right? We love to gather supplies. It's part of our inner nature to be that gatherer. And then I think a lot of times with newbies, they gather so many supplies because it's so sparkly and yummy that it then becomes overwhelming because you have all these supplies and you feel frozen. So I really feel there's a, a benefit to limiting your supplies and saying, ah, this month is all about, you know, this supply, this, these certain supplies and, physically limiting them. So like I don't have access to all my, you know, when I work, I put on my oil pastels, my graphite and my paint, you know, like I know those are the things are my go-tos. And so I always limit what I have. I have other kind of random supplies, but they're away, they're in my storage room. Like for me to include them would have to be like get up go find them and there's something to be said about out of sight out of mind you know and so for me um, how I keep my space is really important because if I had all of these materials here I can see how that would feel overwhelming so being very mindful about what your how your space is impacting you when you're creating and even if you don't have a studio if you have some type of bin you know your favorite supply bin and in the possibly going to learn about these supply bins and then like the ooh the sparkly special day bin you know or something like that. And for me I find that the best way to um get your own um <coughs> Mark on those supplies is to just keep using them and keep playing with them and keep experimenting, and make lots of art and make tons of bad art. Like bad art is is an artist's best friend because then you can really like make mistakes and learn. Like oh, that didn't work, or you can make a mistake and go, boy, that's super cool, you know. And uh, have a bin. This is something I do. have a bin specifically for bad art because you know you don't like it and people want to throw it away i put it in a bin because you never know if you're going to take that out 2 months from later and go whoa that doesn't it's like time can shift your perspective or you might tear it up and use it in something else or you know so i find that bad art is is a helpful in so many layers to have you know
1: i like the idea of having art as like a holistic system in your life where oh. it's like always chilling around you And you just pull whatever you need and you can use it. And maybe you make something now that doesn't serve you at the moment, um, but it could be useful for another time or it will spark you for another time.
0: Yeah, I like that that whole idea. When I was uh, a, when I taught in elementary, middle school, I had these huge, big, like almost like refrigerator boxes in the back of the room. And that was the compost bin. So if you didn't like something, you could throw it in there and anybody was welcome to use whatever was in there. And my favorite thing of the day is when kids would going to be like, someone threw this away. They would be like, no way, you know, and they would take it and <laughs> take it home with them. You know, they were so impressed. And I always like to tell that to my students. Cause I'm like, what you think is so bad is probably other people are like, really, you know? And so have, you know, give yourself some space in between those things you don't like. And you might be surprised you'll come to it from a different perspective later, or like you said, you know, use it in different ways. It's like the old you was helping the new you. Right. I think that's like the best part of our
1: community. Like on Instagram, you can post, I don't know, it's always the things that I really don't like that I'll just post anyway that people mm-hmm. love. It's, am- it's amazing. Like it's maybe it's not speaking to you, but it's definitely going to speak to someone else, or it might speak to you in a different time, different to you.
0: Exactly. And you're just gonna you're gonna keep making more art. It's gonna be people don't remember anyways, you know. Exactly. So it'll all be good.
1: Yeah, it's nice. It's like when I go back through my old stuff, I have simultaneously, I have the feeling of wow like I've made some really good stuff like I'm quite good at this and yeah. also they're like oh my gosh I've come so far
0: yeah yeah <laughs> uh, that's the beauty of it you know you just keep getting better and better and and you keep making weirder and weirder mistakes so, <laughs> that's yeah, so let, let's talk more about
1: art for pleasure
0: mm. so you mentioned
1: that how how do you mm. ensure that that you're on that track and you're not listening to what other people are saying.
0: What do you mean exactly? Like what can you, I don't know what you mean exactly. Yeah. So how do you,
1: how do you be be in tune with your own voice? I think for someone like you, you've been doing it a long time, so it's probably easier than someone who's just starting. Um, Yeah. How do you kind of, I don't know, like a horse with blinkers. I
0: see. Well, <clears throat> I think when you're starting out as an artist, it's kind of like every artist starting out, it's tricky because when an artist is starting out, I think one of the important things they need to do is to just give themselves the opportunity to just play, right? Have Art journaling is perfect for that. What you're doing in Get Messy is the most perfect thing for beginner artists because they get an opportunity to just play and get to see what they like, what how they play with stuff. And then I think normally as a development of an artist, if you're really being called, you start to have this desire, like I would like to be able to make the face look like it's not flat, or how do you make things move in the background? like you start to have this desire and that's like when it's time for you to start learning, right? So you're gonna learn from artists that you admire or that you um, trust and respect. And so during that learning, you're going to have all these other voices in your head. And it's, it's normal. I think it's a normal part of being developed, developing as an artist to, to take in, learn and have those voices. And unfortunately, I think a lot of, um, because art really, you know, there's, I always like to say there's this direct line from our hands to our heart. So it activates a lot of like energetics that we have around our heart. So if you had Uh, unsupportive family or teachers or people in your life that oppressed that part of you that creative part of you when you activate that as an adult it activates those wounds right so Mm -hmm. sometimes the voices we hear are not like the training voices but the voices that are still hanging around our heart and and so I think that's where it gets to be uh, slippery, but what I what I always want to say, and what I think is really good, is that what you're doing, Kaylee, is so important because artists need supportive community where they can make mistakes, they can work through this, they get other people get like, oh, I'm not the only one that feels, you know. Mm-hmm worried about being perfect all the time or all of these things that might not have come from learning art but came from their upbringing or their life experience and I personally think that those voices we have to listen to those voices as well and kind of go in and heal those voices or come in a healthy relationship with those voices and the best way to do it is through art and it, and for me I'm, I'm not an advocate for like pushing through I'm for like oh I I hear you, perfectionist. I get it. I I understand that perfectionist voice. Let's bring you into the story. Come on, you know. Let's. I'll give you this little corner of my painting where you can be as perfect as you want. Let's be perfect there. Okay. Now we had ten minutes of perfect. We're going back to doing this, right? So it's almost like you have to kind of integrate those voices more than anything. If that kind of makes sense. And um, so I. I I think you start to hear the, 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 your artist soul, your artist voice more and more, but you also can't hear it if you're not dealing with the other voices around it. Right. So you got to kind of integrate them. And then that artist voice will get stronger and stronger. He's like the new guy at town. All those other voices have been there for a long time. (laughs) Right. So they're kind of like the bullies. And then, once you start getting stronger, and I, I really believe too that it's important to have all that play, but learning technique and learning how to do things gives artists confidence so they can go up to those bullies and be like, yeah, I'll, you know, you see, look what I can do, you know. I, I think I'm talking kind of abstractly, but I hope it lands correctly. Um, so for me, When I work with my students, I think just making the art and being kind every time those other voices come up and that artist spirit, that artist voice that's guiding you is going to get stronger and stronger, but you can't ignore those other ones. You got to integrate them. And in that process is how it seems to move. I feel like I took the long road to get there. Sorry, kiddo.
1: That was amazing. (laughs) No, it's incredible. It's incredible listening to you talk. I'm writing down so many notes and Uh, so many things that I want to explore in my own, in my own journal and just, whew, (laughs) it's amazing. Um, Let's talk about an art journal and your art as a conversation. So you mentioned that in your workshop for GAMAC and I don't know, it's such a beautiful
0: way of seeing things. Yeah. So I look at all of my art as just a part of a big conversation I've been having since I was a kid. It feels like, you know, it's funny. A few years ago, I was cleaning out my storage and I found my little portfolio way in the back. It had high school stuff. And I was like, what the? I, I went into a, a, like an existential crisis. I was like, I've been doing the same thing for 20 <laughs> years. I was like, what is this? I was like going nuts. It just looked like a watered-down version of what I was doing. And I was freaked out, right? But what's funny about it is that I think as artists, you are who you are no matter what kind of training you're going to get. You're always going to have your own mark and your own style. And a lot of artists think when they're starting out, like they, they have to somehow earn the style. And I always tell my students, like, when you, when I used to work with kindergartners, they were the best because some kindergartners, you come into they scribble, like you're doing it for the country. You know, they're like real serious. Some of them barely, you know, touch it. And then at the end of the day, nobody wrote their names on it, but I could say, oh, that's Billy's. That's Sandy's. That's Susie. That's Kaylee's just because I could tell their style. And I'm like, if kindergartners have it, adults have it, right? We all have a style. And so I think that the whole thing is that you are who you are as an artist and, and coming to your work becomes this conversation you're having with your work, if that makes sense. And when you're first starting out, the conversations are kind of light you know you're just getting to know each other you just you're like look at that cutie and you're just kind of having a conversation and then eventually you know you start dating more the conversations gets more juicy and sometimes you have arguments <laughs> you come to your page and you're having massive arguments I have those a lot you know <laughs> so it's really like every time I show to my journal it's a conversation sometimes the conversation is bringing in things from a couple pages ago you know sometimes I'm like let's go in a whole new direction with this conversation but It really is. And for me, as you saw in affirmation, I'm always talking to myself through the work anyways, or singing. So like there is actual conversation going on. And it's funny, like when I paint live, like a lot of times, like at my retreats and I'll be, I'll just paint and I'll let them watch and my students watch and ask questions. And then I'll be like, Oh, hello, little, look at you, little line. You need a little friend. And they're like, do you really think like that? And I'm like, Oh God, I do. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, my painting will start talking to itself, you know? So, so that's kind of the insanity of it is that I really, and Because I keep, you know, like the art journal especially is the most like one valuable thing in my life because there's been times in my life where I'll come to that art journal as humble as possible and be like, I need help. Like, I don't know what to do. And that art journal will give me downloads. You know, the picture might not tell me a damn thing, but through the process of conversing with the paint and conversing with my line, I'll get insight. I'll get I'll get guidance. I'll get clarity through the act of doing it, and that's why I said yes to get guess why I wanted to be and get messy because I think art journaling is an incredible tool for not just artists but for creatives of all types because it gives you that that opportunity to connect inward, you know, and get um, a straight highway to where you know. You know what to do and you don't have to um, look outward. You know, you can trust it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find the most important part of that conversation is, um, you know, what what beautiful benefits you can get from just yeah. keeping it, it, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm so fascinated by the way you, you oh. see things because I feel like I am the opposite in that. You know, growing up, I never thought that I was an artist. I never thought I was like I thought maybe I was creative because I had nice handwriting. You know, (laughs) Um, but also growing up, I've been I'm quite pedantic as a person. Like I really don't like um, tactile things. Like if some Mm -hmm. if one of my senses is very ignited, then the rest of me like shuts down a bit, Um, and so I'm very restrained. Uh So can you tell me? how I would I mean obviously art helps but how would I loosen up how would I get closer to
0: the way you see things so I work with women that would describe themselves very similar to you I've had a student I worked for years who worked for NASA as a rocket scientist you know would come and be like honey I'm never gonna I'm never going to navigate like you, you know, (laughs) and, and like, and lots of women that are, have had a lifetime in corporate jobs and, you know, more structured, but Mm. I don't want to say that the jobs defined who they were, that they would define themselves as being in, and like you said, more analytical, less sensory, all of this stuff. And what I always say is you're not here to be like me. You're not here to do this, that you're, Greatness as an artist is your recipe you already have. And I don't think the goal is to become more loose, nor do I think it is to become more tight, but it is to become more comfortable with the way that you see the world, the way that you naturally relate to the creative process. And I believe there are universal aspects of the creative process that apply to no matter if you're a loosey goose or if you're a tightly wound person right mm-hmm. that either way you can have a relationship with the creative process that's going to it's going to celebrate your greatness as a person and an artist if you go throughout history so this is funny so people always get surprised one of my absolute favorite artists that i adore is agnes martin love her she's like she's like a goddess to me okay and agnes martin does the most minimalist white these beautiful, large, white canvases with these tiny graphite, gorgeous, take your breath away, grids on it, okay? I, I went to one of her shows once, and I stood in the middle, and I was, like, crying, like, this is the most amazing, spiritual, beautiful thing I've ever seen, and I was in my 20s when I had that experience, so I tried to create art like Agnes Martin. I would do everything, <laughs> and, then I could, and then it would hit a point, and I was like, I, I it was oh, I just messing <laughs> it up, Right? because I can't not be who I am. Mm-hmm. And then if you look like I have a painting back here, like here's a grid, here's a grid, there's grids. Every time I put a grid in my painting, it's like a kiss to Agnes. I'm like, I got we're, we're together, right? <laughs> but I'll never be an Agnes. I can love her all I want. I'll never, it's not in my makeup. And so when I work with women that feel and have a different relationship than I do, I try to, to pinpoint the commonalities of the creative process, right? And so, like, um, I, you know, women will say, I'm tight. I'm like, go in there and be t- the biggest tight ass you can give me, honey. I want to see tight. I want to <laughs> see real neat. I want to see, like, precision. And that is intuitive as well. Because intuitive is not, I don't, you know, messy doesn't equate intuitive. Intuitive is what. Inside is telling you to do and some people naturally just have a tighter aesthetic have a more cleaner aesthetic and that's what it is it's not it doesn't represent that you are more or less of anything that me and you are on different levels it's just we have different aesthetics and so thank god because where would i be without my agnes right and <laughs> so we need artists of all flavors because people you know they leave, they come to me to, they go to travel across the world. to come to me to go, Oh, I'm just going to go back being who I am. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> you know, it's going to be totally great. I had this, I have my beloved PJ. She's been with me forever. And when the first time she came, she was doing these weird paintings with all these lines and all this stuff. And I was like, what did you used to do in your work? And she was like, I was this tech person and, but, and I was like, oh my gosh, I totally see it. And she kept trying to fight it. I was like, this is amazing. And once she had the permission to do what she what made sense to her, she totally took off, you know, like, and now she makes all those paintings. They don't look like mine, they look like her. And so mm. I think it's the, the goal is not to get more loose, the goal is to get more you. And so mm. it's like, if you is tight and not, you know, and, and neat, tight and neat is it should be. There's a wonderful place for that in the world, you know, and there's a wonderful place for people that paint wild and free, and there's a place for people in the in between, you know. That's that's the beauty of art, and uh, so I love the way you describe yourself, Kaylee, and I love you. And I love that you said you had good penmanship because the thing I love about Get Messy that I noticed one of the first things was the fonts. You know, I noticed the way you, everything is designed and how there's such an attention to the fonts and words and your work has all your words and all of that Mm. in there. And I was like, of course, I don't give a jack crap about words and it never (laughs) is in my work. You know what I mean? And so it's part of who you are as an artist, which is so amazing Mm. to me. And I prefer artists that are, you know, as I can say, like, I love artists that are different than me. And I think that's what happens as artists. We love the artists that are different than us. They inspire us, but it's a hard cookie to swallow, but it's like, we're never going to be them. We have to be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's also great because it feels like, I, I don't know, there's something inspiring and awesome. Not awesome, like oh, like full yeah. of awe, um, to see something that you just like. I could literally never do that. No matter how hard I tried, I could never do that. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, it's, um, I. You know, it's so funny. I had when I was younger, I taught at the art museum, and I had this job where I had to teach the med students at the Case Western. Right, they had this. They wanted. um, they wanted the med students to take art classes so they would appreciate art. So that when they made a lot of money, they would support the arts. Right. So they gave wow. all <laughs> I got them right. And the first class that I did is I took them to see Jackson Pollock, you know, Jackson Pollock mm-hmm. paints all over. And they're like, Oh, I could do that. Like, cause I knew that's what they would say. So I went down and I set it up like Jackson Pollock and I, <laughs> and I explained all this stuff. And so they had it. And then I made them take their paintings and they went to Jack and they're like, Oh, my look, and they all of a sudden they could see how Jackson Pollock's painting looked like a real solid good thing, like it was had intention, it had power to it, and theirs looked like just a bunch of scribbles, right? <laughs> and so I was like, oh, can you still do that now, students, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And that like leveled the playing game, right? And so exactly, I think um, I think that's the beauty. The total beauty of being an artist. I think, And I think it's the human, I think it's what we struggle with. Like we're going to always want, you know, I love, I love that minimalist shit. I don't know why, you know, <laughs> and I love stuff like mine too, but I'm always like, oh, this is, this is the epitome. I'll never be the epitome. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, I get it. I totally get it, Kaylee. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
1: Okay. Connie, tell me. What are your three tips for a beginner? For someone who's Mm -hmm. starting out, what would you tell her
0: or him? Um, Your three tips for a beginner just starting out. Um, Number one, I would say play. Play. Um, I think giving yourself time to just play around and allowing it to just be time to just that's cool and not worrying about seeing how to make things just play around is really important and uh, um, another tip is to really realize that everything you've done in your life up to this (laughs) point is is part of who you are as an artist and I think that's Um, really important thing to kind of take in so notice what what you naturally are drawn to what you naturally like so what I mean by that is that I know lots of women who like come to art and they're like I'm never you know it's late in life and I haven't done art and all this stuff but then they'll like show me their house and I'm like Holy Toledo, you know, or they'll like, um, you know, they do something else that really shows like they might've not been making art, but they're, you know, maybe they made clothes or the way they dress or, you know, like their artistic creative expression has been thriving in their world in some way or another. And so I always like to point that out because your transition from your life to then moving to being an artist is not as big of a jump as a lot of people think it is. It's just the next evolution. That you're most likely already, you know, there's women that are super creative with food. There's, su- there's women that are super creative at like organizing people together. Like, I don't, I, I do retreats, but those women that do retreats and they have little gift bags and this and swag and perfect flower, like that's, that's creativity, right? That's your art coming through. And so your shift into painting or art journaling or to whatever is calling you is not like, all of a sudden craziness it's really usually there somewhere in your life um and you might have to scratch at the surface a little bit to kind of look at like what how has it been thriving already how has it been trying to come through and so i I like to say that to kind of um as a tip to just realize that you know you're not crazy (laughs) you're just making an evolution and then i think the third thing is is really what you do so well here is like you know seek out community where you're with your peers and that's really important and having a guide such as yourself that might be a little bit further in experience to kind of like steer the ship you know but but that everybody you know you're not like you know if you're starting out you don't want to go join a a plain air uh, professional (laughs) group you know what I mean that has been doing it for 20 years you might feel really intimidated so finding a group like get messy where you can be with your peers and have <clears throat> support and be all in the trenches together <clears throat> is like the the biggest thing I think is so important in every level of being an artist but especially beginning so um, I think it's the play I think it's the kind of scratching at your life and looking at you know, what you are, how your creativity is already expressed. It might even be in writing, in a journal, you know, so many different ways. It might be that you had a tendency towards music. Who knows, right? And then um, and then to find a, a soft place to land. Like, get messy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're great.
1: Um, tell me, what are you working on right now? What's that your heart on fire?
0: I am... I have been, so um, I have been doing these little, they're little pastel drawings. I've been doing them at night before I, since the coronavirus uh, kind of shut down the U.S. Um, I've been making these little pastel drawings at night because I've been super busy working on online projects and so i haven't been in the studio making as much as i want so i can't go to bed without my hands touching some type of material so this has been really i had this sketchbook i bought it um about a year ago uh in oaxaca mexico it's handmade it's all handmade paper and it's all hand put together by an artist i like and so i was like oh this is perfect this will be easy i actually started it in bed i brought my little pastels and i did it in bed and then I got obsessed and now I only have two pages left. So I've been loving this. And then, um, what it's also inspired, um, is that I started doing some painting, but I don't have that anywhere. Um, yeah. And I have some other ideas rolling through my head. I'm trying to look, I don't have any, sorry, Kaylee, I don't have anything by me, but. No, just talk yeah, about so it. I'm like, just interested in
1: hearing what you're up oh to.
0: Yeah, so that's been kind of – I was – before I moved into this, I was doing these – you can see them on that wall a few of them – iron oxide drawings where I use iron oxide pigment and charcoal, and I was really loving that and working in my ledger. Um, And I kind of shifted to that – I shifted to this just because of time restraints. I don't have the time to put into the larger works, and this just felt, like, doable. Like, this made me feel like, okay, I can – My day was complete, I had a tiny bit of art. And I think that's another tip, if we can throw a tip in again to the beginners, that you don't have to go hog wild big right? You can just, they can be little tiny things. I have this amazing student and she'll know I'm talking about her, but, um, she has a government job in Canada and she has a big family, you know, all this stuff. And so, um, she, she told me she goes during her lunch hour and she has little inchies, these cute little inchy papers. And she does a little drawing every day and she brought, she had like these millions of drawings. These, like, it was great so think of like you know how little that is and that was like her saving grace like being an artist in a government job right that was her saving grace every day and that's how this felt like you know I need one thing to do for myself so tip number four bonus tip don't make it so hard (laughs) make it easy make it small (laughs) and if you're tight and neat make it tight and neat if you're you know wild and free make it wild and free (laughs) <laughs> and then do this day's over next day <laughs> and if it's shitty throw it in the shit box <laughs> <laughs> see we solved it all Kaylee it's all
1: good <laughs> everything and we've solved uh, world peace too
0: <laughs> and get rid of the geese that's what Kaylee wants get rid of oh the geese oh my gosh <laughs> Connie has geese I don't not yet
1: <laughs> <laughs> almost Phoenix sorry <laughs> We're cutting into scooter time, Kaylee. We're cutting into yeah, scooter. Yeah, well time. I'm about to yeah, we need to wrap it up. <laughs> the geese did not make a noise, so that is good.
0: Please make a clarification. I don't have geese. Kaylee thought I had geese. I don't have geese. I have geese that live <laughs> outside my door. I just want to make <laughs> this I Well, look, I mean you're not putting that. up like um
1: I don't know, what are anti geese things? Like you're not stopping oh, yeah. them
0: i know so. i haven't done much to <laughs> get them away uh, so maybe they are kind of my <laughs> uh,
1: thank you for chatting with me today connie and thank you for sharing yourself and who you are and just being so open with your wisdom and so open with the way you
0: see things it's amazing oh. well thank you You're for amazing. having me and listening I appreciate it, Kaylee. I, I love what you do. I love being here. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you.